The following program is intended for mature audiences. You're listening to Bottom Shelf Recording Talk. Sounds boring. Oh my, yeah. With your hosts, James Seabrook. Okay, you were paying attention, but the idea is clear in my head, but translating it into English is not. That's brutal. I understand the hypocrisy. And Joey Roach. I don't even know what you do. I was just told you were the man. Some people would say I'm overconfident. That could be my ego talking, though. I'm trying to think of the right word. Oh. Yeah. Must be a tough word. Next subject. Uh, you're bored with this one? You don't hear us gassing on about it. Keep using the horn. I don't think it means what you think it means. By the way, you know, when you're when you're telling these little stories, you have a big mouth. Here's a good idea. What are you even talking about? Have a point. Why are you airing personal matters with complete strangers? It makes it so much more interesting for the listener. Uh, that is a contradiction on itself. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, but it's it's very much you. Oh, I know it is. Yeah. Okay. Like the fact that it's two different times I was talking about my ego <laughs> spliced together. It's spliced together to form one thing. Yeah. <laughs> and that's okay. Because, you know, we're capturing the true essence of you spread across time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, welcome back to the podcast, everyone. Um, I, oh, I probably shouldn't do that or we're going to miss our oh, cues. Um We are underfueled with coffee, so the show is going to start possibly more sporadically than normal. Yeah, I got my coffee. Yeah, well, you're the only one that's prepared here. Yeah. But you also brought a bunny yep. with you. Yep. And <laughs> so we have to address the full house. We have a spectator for the first time that's actually sitting in the room with us while we're doing this. Slash former guest. Slash former guest, that's right. That's right. Um, Mary, what was your... You you don't have a mic, so I'm not going to let you talk. Um, What was her Mary something? Mary Bunner? I don't know if we... Not not, not her last name, but like her her, her stage name, her professional name. Oh, Mary Lee. Mary Lee, yes. It was the Lee that I couldn't couldn't remember. Um, So Joey brought Mary Lee and... Benjamin Bunny um, to the podcast and now Pepper the Terrier is obsessed with the bunny and has tried to lick the bunny smell the bunny play with the bunny and at, probably at some point will try to exert dominance on the bunny which will just be entirely immune oh and, and Pepper sat on the bunny as well All right. so if there's a big kerfuffle later it's because Pepper got way too excited again and tried to eat the puppy or eat the bunny. And then we're going to put Pepper in a different room. (laughs) But, oh, goodness me. That's not the reason we have, uh, uh, Mary's not our guest today. No. She's a spectator. We brought Roland Rodas back to the podcast to talk um, the... (laughs) Adventure that was the last two weeks. Yeah, two weeks of your life. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And specifically, I wanted you on the podcast because I know Joey will have lots to say about everything that happened to you. (laughs) All right. Sounds good. And and, it sounds like you're speaking for my ego now. (laughs) (laughs) Someone does because you don't speak for your ego. Your ego speaks through you. Oh, yeah. That's for sure. <laughs> um, okay. So, coffee's brewing. Yeah, it is. 
Okay, good. Joey is slurping. Oh, you were saying coffee's you, brewing, so I thought I'd shove be. it in your face that I already have coffee. <laughs> See, you know, you know what? I don't even like the taste of coffee, so it's it doesn't have any effect on me. But the other effects are amazing. Oh yeah, oh yeah, I love the caffeine, <laughs> and I'm gonna be more Shatner until the coffee gets here. Oh. Please don't. <laughs> I'll go mad. <laughs> At least you're in a good mood today. Yeah. <laughs> you are wearing a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles yeah. toque today, though. And which shirt. Is spectacular. Excellent. Did the did the package come in? No. All right. Comes in Wednesday. Oh, nice. Nice. So you're not going to be here next week, then? <laughs> it. I'll be late. <laughs> so, so, um... Are you much of a board game guy? No, Roland? not really. No? Okay. Uh, so Mary is a board game nut All and right. runs two board game coffee shops. Oh, nice. Um, and Joey is a board game nut, and that's how we met Mary, because she runs these board game coffee shops. What are the names of them? I, I, I can never remember. Just Hexagon. Hexagon, okay. Yeah. Um and Joey is obsessed with the turtles and they have just released it, it was it was a Kickstarter it was a Kickstarter thing. Um but they've just released a Turtles board game. Which is probably going to be as awesome as it sounds. I have already read the rule book like six times. There you go. <laughs> and he even bought himself two versions of it so that he could have all of the cool toys that come with the special edition as well as <laughs> nice. the regular version. Yeah. The pressed version. Wait, the fact you still get those same stuff in the reg or in the, the Kickstarter version which as is, you do in the regular version, which but is why I a still little think bit you extra. Should, you should just like wrap up the Kickstarter version. Assuming it hasn't already been opened, you should just like keep it wrapped up and, and but, put it aside. But there's things in it. Yeah. There's, there's lots of, Stop. There's pictures in it, one of which is signed by Kevin Eastman, and I want to hang that on my wall. Which is even more valuable if you don't open it. Only when he dies. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe if you get it framed right away. Like get it oh, framed. Yeah, I plan on framing it. Mounted, whatever, hanging on your wall like a trophy. It will be on my wall. I mean, we in are in frame. Alberta, so that's kind of your hunting trophy. I suppose, yeah. Yeah. Okay. It comes with other things as well that I, I there's no way that box is not gonna be opened. Yeah, that's fair. But we're not here to talk about turtles. No. All right. That was just kind of the backstory. All right, go. Cool. Okay. So <laughs> <laughs> you sure you turned on the coffee pot? Maybe. I made Roland make coffee. Just right. so everybody knows. I made the guest come in okay. yeah. and yeah, make well, coffee. He's an old intern, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah, former intern. That's right. Yeah, that's that's their and job now. <laughs> now, <Exactly>. uh, <laughs> uh, okay. So, the two things that I wanted to talk about. Now, let you decide what you want to dive into first. What you want to talk about first, and kind of Joey and I are going to be peanut gallery to to your storytelling. <laughs> He's like, that much, that's a lot of pressure in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> um, you 
two weekends ago, you recorded uh, a three-piece metal band, 11 songs, 11 and a half songs, actually, I think it ended up being. Yeah, 11 and, um, and a half. Yeah. 11 and a half songs in, three day, in a three-day weekend. Yeah. Essentially, essentially about 30 hours. <clears throat> so I want, I want you to Close. talk about that. 25 hours, right? Well, you guys went over every single day. No. Yeah. No. Yeah. Even if it was by a few minutes. All right. You know, and and, and of course, and of course, you were in at least an hour early. Yeah. Every okay. Day. Okay. Yeah, I see. What you, mean. you know, so you add all that up, and they were ten hour. They were ten hour days for you. Yeah. Okay. And people always, people always forget that, that, studio time isn't just. You know, the, you know, the time that's going on isn't just when the, when the band is here, like the engineer, the producer, the assistants, whatever, they have a ton to do before the band shows up and they had a lot to do after the band leaves. And anyway, and the last day you guys were here hour and a half, two hours extra. Just one. No, it was longer than that. Cause there was, there was the extra hour that they, that the band spent reviewing everything, make sure everything was okay. And then there was teardown. Oh, right. Okay. So Canon Terra, yeah, two, yeah. two hours. Huh? Yeah. Anyway, maybe that's, maybe that's me being like stickler for details. My accounting books have to be proper. <laughs> I don't actually even do my own accounting anymore. It's terrible. <laughs> um, it, it's mostly just because it doesn't get done. That's why I don't do it. That's more or less why I was chuckling with your whole, <laughs> my stickler for accounting. <laughs> uh, but when I do sit down to do them, they gotta be right. Anyway. Yeah. But okay. Um, so the other thing, the other thing that happened was your own record, which you self-produced, recorded, um, edited and mixed. Yeah. You got back from mastering this weekend. Was it this weekend or was it Monday? It was on Friday, so it was on Friday. Okay. So it's just this past weekend. So you had the you had the weekend to to sit on it and to stir about it, and you were, to put it mildly, you were unsatisfied. Yeah, more like preoccupied. <laughs> preoccupied. Okay. Yeah. Um, do you want to do you want to start there or do you want to start with the recording? Uh, just not with recording. You said that Joey was, was going to like that, right? So Joey's going to like both of them. Well, He's going right. to have a lot of fun with both. Because he has a lot to say on both. Just start with the recording. Okay, so tell us about um, tell us about the recording. Who was the band? Let's start there. Uh, just a new uh, thrash metal band in Edmonton called Phylactery. Phylactery. Yeah, and okay. they got signed to a small label in Colorado. Nice. Yeah, so they wanted to. What's get the label? Unspeakable Lax. Yeah. Okay. I have to think about it for a second. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there's so many. There's so many small labels out. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so they wanted to get their the tracking for their full length done in in just a weekend, right? And they wanted to uh, they wanted to not use the metronome, just just do live tracking, and then do some overdubs later. But right. have the foundation recorded live. They were pretty tight though. Like yeah, they were they were one of the few bands that didn't have a lot of unintentional tempo changes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They yeah, they managed to do that pretty well. So. Cool. Um, yeah, and uh, the the funny thing about them is they they started jamming about let's see, so three years ago. Okay. And just now they're finally getting something done. Finally getting something. Yeah, recorded. that's that's because it's 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 the side project of everyone in the band, right? Right. So, so it always get it always secondary to whatever else is happening. So. Um, what are the other two bands that they're at? They're in yeah. Uh, what are the the, the main projects? 
quote. Well, the drummer and the guitarist, they play in Die Roman. Okay. And the bass player plays in a band called Display of the K. Oh, that's the band he was from. Yeah. Tyson brought them here. Like, that's yeah. when I met you the first time he was here, yeah, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I couldn't remember. I couldn't remember. Like, I, I recognized him. Yeah. And, I, and we talked about him having been here before, but I never talked about the name of the band, and I never, for whatever reason, I never thought to ask. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That was, I think that was Tyson's first, first session here. Oh, really? I think so. And it was the first session where anybody was slamming doors because the drummer was so upset working with Tyson. And he was almost, almost got to the point where I walked down and said, Hey, listen, like stop slamming my doors. <laughs> yeah. I remember that that the one time I, like I took the drummer out to Starbucks for coffee because, because oh, yeah. I saw him and I was like, okay, you need a break, just just come with me. Right. And then he came and yeah, he complained all, <laughs> like he complained all the way about about whatever was happening and then right. when he came back he was fine. But, yeah. It's a good thing Tyson does good work because he can rub people the wrong way so quickly. <laughs> you know Tyson, right? Yeah, of course yeah. I know Tyson. Yeah, everybody knows Tyson. Yeah. It's like not a week goes by that he doesn't stop by a long McQuaid. <laughs> Always renting something or just coming in to hang out? Uh, he's usually renting stuff. Okay. Or prepping for a rental. Mm. He's going to do. He does a lot of he does a lot of work out there. Not as much studio work as he'd like, but he does a little bit of everything, it seems. Yeah. And like he's got his fingers in a lot of pies. Mm-hmm. I mean, if, and if he it's does not... a lot of live stuff, from what I I can tell. Yeah. He, sounds like he does a lot of fill-in live stuff. Possible. Yeah. Huh. No big deal. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. Yeah. The guy guys has stamina, so. Yeah, well, and, and and now that he's now that he's a victim of the Alberta economy, he's um, he uh, he'll take work where he can get it. Yeah, uh, he's he's got like two companies at least. Yeah, he's he's got at least the two. He's got Prairie Fire, but one of one of them, Prairie Fire, might be the one where they're trying to get it to to be classified as a nonprofit. Because I mean, it, it's not like they do any anything they do, in in that thing makes them money. Maybe I don't know. Yeah. They seem to be doing plenty of shows, though. Yeah, that's but, good. Yeah, there's Prairie Fire, and then he's got a 3D printing business that he has. That's right, too. Yeah, and then of course um, he's putting on Farmageddon every year. Mm-hmm. How long has that been going on? I think uh, the first one was 2013. Is that it? I think they skipped this year for some reason. Yeah, like he's only done two. Or yeah, no, he's done three, I thought. Three, okay, yeah. That's right, three. Yeah, because he... I thought it was just a couple years ago that he lost his he lost his shirt and had to sell his house to pay for everything for one of them. Yeah, I, I don't know the details. <laughs> Yeah. 
Anyway, <laughs> total like total side. Okay, let's go back to the recording. All right, phylactery. Uh huh. Okay. Um, so three piece band. What um, what style of metal? Uh, thrash metal. Thrash metal. Yeah. Right. Um, what were some of the? How did you guys prep for it? Well, I mean, I'm not part of band, so <laughs> no, I know, but I you're, know how prep, but you were, you were. What was your What was your role in the recording? Oh, okay. well, I, I, I wasn't a producer. They the songs were already written, right? so right. so my job was just to understand what they wanted it to sound like, and make it happen. Okay, so so that, you were the engineer then. Yeah. That yeah. still sounds like slightly producing to me. Yeah, when I produce, I don't do any writing. Uh, yeah, but. If you're not the one calling the shots, though, you're not the producer. <clears throat> Fair enough, right? Yeah, that that sounds like engineering, right? Yeah. Yeah. I guess. The role of the engineer is to create the. Sounds like engineering with a slight bit of. What part of that is producing? Uh, I don't know. Some of that stuff I consider producing that he mentioned. All right. I don't consider any of that producing. No. Okay. Yeah. The band is calling the shots. The band wants things to sound a certain way, and it's the engineer's job to figure that out. You know, how do we capture the sound that they well, want? Well, if the band's and, calling the shots, then yeah, I suppose. Yeah. But if, it, I, if me as an engineer, if I'm making some sonic decisions, I consider that a bit of producing. That's fair. That's fair. Um, might not count in the... I don't ever take producing credit Right. Or just that. I, I, I was, I was going to say, I was going to say that might not, that might not count in the, in the commercial world, right? Probably not. Yeah. Because I know there's, just unless you're Rick Rubin. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But see, see now, no, no, that that's a classic example. Like, do you know Rick Rubin? Uh, no, I don't know who that is. Um, Chili Peppers, whole bunch of rap stuff from the nineties. Um, he's a he, he's one of the bigger, isn't he's, he head of some uh, record label now? Anyway, well, he he created Def Jam Records, or was the founding member of Def Jam Records. I think he's the president of one of the big three today. Yeah, at the moment. So, so his it's rumored that his style of producing is walking in hearing something, telling them if it's right or wrong, telling them to fix it if it's wrong, and then walking out. Not even telling them how to fix it, just, yeah, just that just it fix doesn't... It. That's not right. That's not working. Not really? Yeah. Play that part again, or that doesn't sound the way I want it to sound, or that doesn't sound right, or then gone. Yeah. He gets paid a lot of money just for those 10 seconds. Well, uh, I mean, he, he'll, no, he'll, 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 he'll come in he'll, like four or five times The is, story is that he'll come in, sit on a couch, listen to the entire record... And he's making notes while he's doing this. And so he'll be like, oh, song five. Maybe he shouldn't be on the record or stuff like that. And then he goes, to, does whatever else he does. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And he, and he, he, I see him in interviews all the time and he's just like, a, he's a weird dude. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. Sounds about right for the music industry, anyways. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, he's like one of the only producers, though, that can get away with doing that. What he does, mm. most then, producers, if they did that, they would never get work again. Oh, really? And then there's guys like Andy Wallace who are who are like super present, um, and and 
but not 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 a tone chaser at all. He's um, Faith No More, a um, whole bunch of pop records. Okay. Um, great producer, but the, my favorite story from that um, was the name of that podcast. Uh, mixed notes from hell. Mixed notes from hell. One of the guys from from that podcast uh, was a longtime assistant of, of Andy Wallace. They they get a band set up. They're working on tones. They spend a lot of time getting tr- the drums to sound, you know, how they think really they great, should how, sound. How they think they should sound. Drum to, to they, 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 they get two or three different snare tones and want Andy to pick one. And he shows up. He shows up early afternoon or something, and they they play him. They play him the first. The first, the, the first way of, of of the drums sounding, and he says, "Yeah, it sounds like sounds like drums." Okay, let's go. Let's record. <laughs> Just like, you know, mm. not that he doesn't care, but yeah, doesn't yeah. over obsess. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, so let's go back to mm. let's go back to Flactory. Okay. <laughs> um. So. The band did all their own prep work. Yeah, and then we we met beforehand, and I walked him through a few things that I wanted to, I wanted them to be aware of. Okay, uh, like what? Like, uh, well, explain to them the chain of how things work in the studio, and then explain that okay, if the performance is good, then record is right. good, right? Right. Then everything else is secondary, kind of thing. <laughs> gotcha. Okay. Yeah. So I, you know, I, I'm glad they took that seriously, and mm-hmm. they were not like, okay, we're just gonna fix it in the mix, kind of banner. Right. Yeah, they came in. They were really, they were really well rehearsed. Yeah, yeah. And they would have to be to fit yeah. that many songs in. I know, right? That time period. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so day one, <clears throat> the Friday. Yeah. Um, you guys load in. You start setting up. What was day one all about? Yeah. Oh yeah, part of the meeting was uh, I I convinced them to take day one for setup. Like the entire day. Yeah. Day like we we ended up being ready to to track that day. But I told him, okay, if we take one entire day to set up, it's going to sound good. Like, I'm going to make sure that's going to sound good. Right. Because if we rush that, then, you know, the stuff is going to go wrong. Yeah. Some mic placements, I'm, I'm going to miss a few things because we're rushed, right? So. Right. Um, so how long did things take to set up? Well, six hours. Is that it? Yeah. Oh. I thought it was just six hours on the drums. Well, no, because while he was tuning, right? Okay, so, so they got here, they loaded, and then... Drums were not tuned, so hmm. so I was like, okay, we tell the drummer to get in the drum room, tune, and then I'm gonna take care of the bass player and and, and the guitar right. player and, and the guitar. So so while he was tuning, we set up the guitar tone and then we set up the bass tone and then we listened to them together to see if we worked together and they did and then that's when we went to drums. Gotcha. Right. Cool. Yeah, he. I hung around most of that first day. And the drummer literally spent four hours tuning. Now he had he had six toms. Two of them were the piccolo toms that we had upstairs, the little tiny, bonky yep. things. Um, but yeah, he spent he spent six hours or four hours tuning, and then he started setting everything else up. It seems like an excessive amount of time to tune drums. But I think it was I, I think it was a lot of a lot of he wanted he wanted specific intervals, although his his last floor tom or his, his last rack tom and his first floor tom were the same pitch. <clears throat> um he wanted he wanted a nice sweep of interval um for all the toms, but he also wanted to have no no buzzing in his snare from any of the toms. 
and no resonance in any of the toms from the snare. So he like he he really he really spent a lot of time, you know, like readjusting and readjusting and readjusting and readjusting. It was um I it made me really happy because you know it it made it a lot easier to just here's a microphone, it's close to the tom, it sounds like a tom. Yeah. <laughs> right. Fair enough. Just I mean, I don't have very much experience tuning drums myself. Just from what I've seen at Long McQuaid, which a lot of times it's just like, let's get this on there and go. Yeah. Yeah. Like there's a thing, there's a tuning called the Mike Keen special at my particular Long McQuaid where they just take the drill with the uh, the drum mach- oh, yeah. drum tool head on it. Yeah. Just dee 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 dee. <laughs> it makes a noise. It makes a noise. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um Okay. Any um any any challenges um in the setup process? Uh yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, I think that the biggest challenge was that it was a big kit with with the six toms, right? So when I saw the kit, I was like, yeah, I don't know, I don't know where I'm gonna fit up the two overheads because it's a small oh, right. room. Yeah. And if I where I ideally want them, like the walls right there, so it's gonna be a lot of reflections. Right. So I had to compromise and decided to make the image it narrower. Because I still wanted to do space pair, so so I went for a narrower image on a space pair and. Okay. And because of that, I think it was easier to see how far the the two mics were from the snare. Yeah, if they're not if they're not eight feet away, right? Yeah, yeah. So that was the first challenge, and the second challenge was um, was just miking all those toms. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was it was a lot of work. Nice. Um, what did you uh, what did you mic the kit with? So D six and Beta ninety one in the kick. The M80 and uh, on the top of the snare and the uh, Beta 57 on the bottom. Cool. Then uh, all the Audix mics on the toms. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, the the two uh, MA100s on overheads. The the Mojaves. Oh yeah. 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 And then I used the U87 on on the snare, three feet three feet on top of the snare, so sort of like a mono overhead. Right. Okay. Yeah. And then one condenser for the right and one condenser for the hats. Yeah. That's those cheap PV mics that I love, right? Yeah. 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 We need to get you in to use those, Joey, because they're pretty sexy. <laughs> they're cheap as shit, but... So it sounds like some I'd be into that. Yeah, absolutely, man. They're they're a little on the dark side. It's not the worst thing. Right. Um, they're, uh, they're super cardioid, so they have really great rejection of everything else. Yeah. Um, and in, including the room. And so, so they're just, they're just a really nice dry focused, focused tone. It's pretty great. Hmm. Yeah. Sounds interesting. Mary, do you want me to take her away now that she's trying to eat the bunny? Okay. All right. <laughs> um, any complications with with the drum setup? 
You mean a, like oh. like the, the mic placement and that kind of stuff? Oh yeah, yeah. I remember I seen this because he likes his snare really, really high. Okay. So I did not know where I was gonna put the the main snare mic. Right. So I call call the drummer. I told him to okay. I explained to him okay, this is where you like it, but this is not gonna work. Yeah. And we have to find a spot where we are both gonna be happy with it. Okay. So it means either you lower the snare or you move the snare closer to you or something, but it cannot stay there. Right. And then and then he suggested if I could like like mic it the way I want it, but have have the mic stand on his way. In his way? Yeah, like he wanted sort of like 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 coming from from the hi hat, like in that. Oh, weird. Like okay. in that plane, and then just kind of have the mic stand arm here. Like yeah. that, I I know it's not gonna make sense for people who are listening. Like yeah, going yeah. across the toms or no? Like is his snare here? His hi hat's here. Oh, so he's going under oh, his so under his arm. Yeah, and then having the mic point like that, I'm like, well, you're gonna hit that. Yeah, you're definitely gonna hit that. So. Even even just climbing in and out of his drum stool. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Did Did you try it to show him? No. Oh, okay. No, I was like, well, how how do you expect to not hit that? Yeah. <laughs> and then he like he he started like just air drumming. He's like, yeah, you're right. So. Yeah. Um, yeah. So where did you end up putting? It? What, what what was what ended up being the compromise? Uh, okay, snare uh, snare down a little bit, toms up a little bit. Okay. And uh, snare closer to him. So then gotcha. I found a spot right there, right between the second and third tom, and yeah. the snare. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. It was tough, but it worked. Right. Yeah. Um, and he he played fine, so it obviously wasn't. That yeah, big of a deal for yeah. Him. I keep telling him to lower his name, but he doesn't listen. <laughs> yeah, guys like to be comfortable. Yeah, right? yeah. Um, was that the only challenge with the drums? Yeah, pretty much. Everything else they went smoothly. Once once I figured out the overheads and and snare mic, then yeah, it was fine. Sweet. Okay. Yeah. Um, then you had the the mono overhead and the spaced pair. You had them pretty well balanced. Like you didn't have any issues with. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. The, the overheads were fine, and the mono overhead was mostly just for me to experiment. Right. And I liked the way it, it turned out, so. Cool. Okay. Yeah, and when I was here and I heard the overheads, when I realized this name was right in the middle, I just jumped. I was happy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because yeah, I remember you were here, and I was like, James, right in the middle, yes! Right. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Nice. Um, okay. Uh, so that whole process still took... Once once the drummer was done done setting up, how long did that take for you to set up and get happy with sound check? Uh, about six hours, six six and a half hours. Just for the drums? Oh, just for drums. Uh, I think drums took three hours. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So he he was mostly done his setup in about three hours then. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. Um, what about guitar? Guitar is the first thing we did because it's the only person that had all his gear here. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. So, um, well, we started talking about what, well, we already knew what kind of tone he wanted because he sent me the references beforehand. Right. So we started playing with it and I decided to go for, for dual miking just to experimentation again and then have a primary mic and be ready to drop the second one if I wasn't happy with it. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Well, but, what did you use? What did you use on his guitar? Uh, I went for the E906 as a primary mic. Oh, yeah. And my PR30 has a secondary mic. Cool. Yeah, and they wanted a they wanted a thinner tone, so I didn't do the off-axis miking. I just went both on-axis. Sweet. Okay. Yeah. 
Yeah, so uh, the PR30 added a nice low end to it, mm. which I'm probably going to end up dropping because they don't want a lot of low end. That's fair. Right? Oh, it's, they do want it to sound like a like an 80s thrash metal <laughs> record. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, that was that's kind of their that's kind of their shtick is their they want to um they want they want it to sound they want it to sound like a cool 80s record that you missed in the 80s but are rediscovering, you know, 30 years later. That's what that's the that's the sound they wanted to wanted to have. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, although there wasn't nearly as much growling in the eighties, right? Yeah, yeah. They're they're going for that Australian sound that came out of of the nineties. That's an Australian thing. Yeah, really. That that specific kind of thrash metal. Yeah. Oh, okay. It's yeah. It's that the Australian bands did. Fair enough. Yeah. Okay. Um. Now you had you had some challenges getting the guitar working oh right right <laughs> <laughs> i think you'd forget yeah there was some buzzing going on and well we just added the hum eliminator and changed the di box for something that was had a little more headroom and uh all of a sudden it was working i think it, it also had to do with with his guitar right. being noisy but then once we removed the the noise gate from the equation, it was fine. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Although that sounds counterintuitive, but. <laughs> Pepper is doing some weird gymnastics thing on Mary. Gotta Sorry. get close to that bunny. Yeah. <laughs> At least she's got something to keep her busy. Um, <clears throat> so did you ever figure out what the, what the noise was caused by? No, I never did. Okay. Yeah, I was just like, okay, it sounds like it doesn't, it's not doing it anymore. So let's just, just, just keep going. Right. If it comes back, we'll leave it, and it didn't come back. So. Okay. So you had, you had another, um, you had another uh, issue that we kind of heard through the guitar, um, with some clicks and pops and that kind of thing. Do you remember that? Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. What was that? That was the mistake on my part. <laughs> what was the mistake? It was I didn't. My buffer size was too small. Okay. Yeah. So Pro was just not helping. Right. Yeah. And then when you tell me, okay, that's just just uh, raise your buffer size a little bit, then it went away. Right. Yeah. Sweet. So now I know that 128 is the smallest. Well, you were at 32 though. Yeah. You were at 32. Um, I know the computer can handle. 64 um but not 32 quite at the quite at the um number of tracks you were running mm -hmm. yeah okay yeah 64 is plenty fast anyway or yeah plenty well, low yeah you you can't i i can't hear i can't hear the difference between 64 and 128 you know that's a that's a matter of like it's a difference of like two or three milliseconds of of latency so oh okay. man i love the new engineers who all claim they can hear that yeah yeah <laughs> I i've gotten in so many arguments over just the physics of how your hearing works with some newer guys <laughs> where it's like oh it's 
it's a five millisecond delay. It's like, how can you hear that? It's physically impossible. The human ear can only hear, I think it's like 20 milliseconds or something, something like that. around there, yeah. And even then, it's like, I've I've listened to 20 millisecond delays. It's like, yeah, I could tell it's there, but oh, it's not clear as day. Right. If you know it's there, you could hear it for sure. Yeah, but less than that? I'm not sure. Yeah. 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 Um, okay, so problems out of the way. Um, let's let's move to the bass. Okay. Well, I, I told the bass player to bring his his equipment because I asked him to send him a picture of it. And all right, yeah, there you go. Thanks. <laughs> and uh, well, making he... a good spot now. <laughs> I don't know. I'm still working on it. Yeah. <laughs> so so so. So we get here, and then because we're not going to do drums first, I first thing is to start with the bass. Right. So I ask him, okay, uh, bring out your pedal board. We're going to start setting you up. He's like, I was supposed to bring my pedal board? I'm like, yes. <laughs> well, anyways, and he that lives stuff, in That yeah. is for your tone? Yeah. Y- yeah. You should bring that. <laughs> yeah. And he lives in Beaumont, so. <laughs> of course. Yeah. Which is the opposite side of the city. Exactly. This- so. <laughs> And if only Glenn Fricker was here. <laughs> see, see now, no, Glenn Fricker would hear this guy play, and hear how much this guy like works on on his playing, and he'd he'd approve. Yeah, but yeah, the whole but, forgetting yeah. your gear. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> of course, the bass player forgot his yeah. stuff. Like after I asked him to send him to send me a picture of his gear for me to see what what's right. happening. <laughs> So anyways, anyway, so so okay, so he took off because I because I knew he had a really nice uh, pedals. He had a, a dark glass compressor and a dark glass preamp for bass. Right. So I knew they were gonna sound good, and I knew we were gonna go mainly with that for bass. Yeah. So okay, go get it, and then we move on to guitar. So sweet. So out of all things, we had to start setting guitar first. Yeah. When a drummer's taking forever. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, but once once uh, once he came back, um, as soon as I heard Dark Glass going through the 1073, I was like, "This is it! Like this is the bass tone." Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, I I remember I was sitting upstairs, probably not working on anything important, but you're counting. <laughs> yeah, working on my account. tax faces. Yeah. <laughs> I think I was I think I was trying to set up the um, the uh, the rack upstairs to be something usable. We you know. Anyone can walk up there with a laptop, plug in some headphones, and make it work, right? Okay. But I don't remember if that's what I did. <laughs> <laughs> that might have been the weekend before. Anyway, so I hear I hear the the bass tone go from up there, and my first thought is that sounds amazing. Yeah. And then, and then I hear the guitar player start playing along. It's like that is an amazing blend like they're just they're just working to like they're standing apart really well but they're just covering all of the frequency ranges that you'd want out of your string section mm-hmm. right like i was just it was just sexy yeah thanks yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. i send them a dry mix uh, uh oh sweet the, the day after and just had a high pass on the guitar mm. and the bass player gets back to me he tells me 
can you turn me down a little bit? <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and I was like, okay, good bass player that is asking to be turned down. That is rare. Right? Yeah. <laughs> and he's young too. Yeah. Like a 21 year old kid, I think. <laughs> yeah. 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 I think it was his first time I ever tracking live. Oh yeah. Yeah. So I yeah. asked him and he like, he, he's not very expressive, but I could tell he had a smile on his face and he was like, yeah, this is the only way I want to do it now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Nice. Well, it, and it, it really showed how, how prepared they were yeah. when they started playing. Right. Cause they, at the end of the, at the end of the setup day, they, they ended up tracking bulk of one of the songs and, um, and you could, you could tell even after, even after six, seven hours of, of setup, they were, they were prepared. They were, they were not as tight as they were the next day, but they were just on the ball. It was great. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So day two, day two, day two and day two and day three. I missed most of both of those days. So, okay. What, uh, what went on? What was going on? Well, I, those days I, I explained to them the importance of listening to stuff um, with fresh ears. Right. So every single day we studied with listening to what happened to the whatever happened the day before. Cool. Yeah. So once they were they they approved it, they said, okay, actually let's fix that or whatever. So day two and three were just tracking, 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 and uh, so day two was just okay. Let's get all like the the entirety of the album. Day three, let's do the overdubs for a second guitar and vocals. And sweet, yeah, and solos, I guess. Any um, any interesting stories? Any funny, weird things happen? I remember like <laughs> day two at the very end, they were they were they were playing the second last song, and they nailed it, like it was perfect. And then they have this this <laughs> this slow outro, it's just like tom tom crash, tom tom crash. Yeah. And then I see the drummer play the, the two toms, and then he, when he's about to hit the crash, he drops the stick. <laughs> and then he just yelled, fuck! <laughs> nice. Yeah, so I ended up saving that. That's yeah. sweet. Yeah. yeah, that's good. That that should be the end of it. Yeah. 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 Like the re-recorded end, you should throw that away and end that. Yeah. Then into the next song. Yeah, and then I can hear the, the, the stick just getting more stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Nice. <laughs> Yeah, but I know that was a, that was a lot of fun because because I I got to use the board a lot, yeah, and and nothing really changed on the tone. Like they were they were happy throughout Sweet. the process of how everything was sounding. So yeah, right on. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it was it was pretty much because you guys had spent all that time doing setup. Yeah, it was pretty, day two was just was plug in and go. Yeah, right. and it was pretty smooth sailing. Right. Yeah. Sweet. Yeah. Like after that day, they were like. Now I see why you wanted us to to spend an entire day setting up. Right. Awesome. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Then day three was okay. Let's set up the tone for the second guitar and let's set up the mic for vocals. Yeah. And off we go. Cool. All what right. did you guys change for the second guitar? Well, as as per your suggestion, let's change everything. <laughs> you didn't change everything though. I didn't change the cabinet, but yeah. but I okay. changed the head. He changed the guitar. Uh, I changed the two mics, changed the two preamps. Right. So, yeah. Cool. Right on. Yeah, and I ended up trying the M80 on, on, as my main mic on the guitar. And it, oh, sweet. Yeah, it was yeah, great. I know, it yeah. sounds awesome. Yeah. Yeah. That, that the, the uh, M80, that's a Telefunken. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that is, Joey fought for that for months before I finally gave in and, and bought one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And it's awesome. Yeah, sounds great on guitar. Yeah. Told you. 
<laughs> I know. You are right. I'm, I'm admitting that on the podcast. You are right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, well, let's... Um, if the rest of the album was smooth sailing then... Yeah. Let's move over to... Uh, let's move over to talk about your masters. Okay. <laughs> so, so Friday, so five days ago. Right. You get the masters back from... The mastering engineer. Yeah. Um, for the EP that you re- that you recorded, you produced, recorded, edited, and mixed, and performed. Um, back in January. March. You recorded in January. No, March. Th- those three songs. Yeah. Dude, I I swear I'll go back into my into my calendar. You recorded those in January. No, unless you worse. snuck back in when I didn't know and <laughs> no. Okay, yeah. we'll we'll double check. Yeah, we'll we will. Yeah, it was January. I'm sure it was March. <laughs> <laughs> All right, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. I'll fight you, man. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. Later on, another podcast is gonna say you were right, just like you did to Joey. <laughs> <laughs> I'm wrong all the time, so it's okay. <laughs> yeah. So. Um, so you were, let's start off with, you were really happy with your mixes when you sent them. Right. Right. Well, um, reasonably happy. <laughs> okay. What does that mean? It means that it could have been a lot better, but that's the best that I can do with how the recording turned out because okay. I, I made a lot of mistakes on the Late recording process. Mistakes. Okay. Yeah. Later on in, in the original recording. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, so how long did the mastering engineer have the tracks? And I, I assume he did them in a, in a normal amount of time, but how long did he, did, did you wait um, before getting them back? Well, uh, it was a month cause he books a month to month and a half in advance. Okay. So you have to book your session through his, his website. Right. So, uh, the day of the booking, I, I got an email saying that he downloaded the tracks from we if we transfer. Okay. And then he send, he sent them the next day. So, yeah. Okay. So he had the tracks for at least 24 hours. Cool. So now you get them back. Mm-hmm. And what was your first reaction like? Uh, my first reaction was like, wow, this sounds really good. Okay, cool. Because, yeah, well, it sounded warm and it sounded big. Yeah. And I'm a guitarist and there was a lot of guitar. <laughs> so, yeah. But then as I kept listening, I realized that, that this was not a very good product. Okay. So what, um, what were the things you were unhappy with as you started discovering more? Uh, the kick was lost. Uh, the bass and the guitar, they felt like they were drowning everything else. Mm-hmm. Um, the vocals were too quiet and every floor tone hit was distorted Okay, on the right channel. On, on the right channel. Yeah, because it's mostly pan to the right, right? Gotcha. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Okay. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I listen. I listen to them on my stereo. Listen to them on the car. I listen to them back into my uh, mixing room, and the problem, the problems were there in every Just single throughout. in every single environment. So. Right. Okay. Yeah. Um. So where do you go from here? Just go to James. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> and ask him right. what he would do. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, my first, uh, the first thing I did was I emailed him back saying, okay, can you please fix that tom? Because that's, 
that's distorted and it's not like that on my the mix that I sent. Right. And then I tell him, okay, I'm unhappy with the master because of these three reasons. If that's a mix problem, let me know, and I will gladly fix fix the mix. And yeah, I he didn't get back to me for the next three days until yesterday. That's fair. Yeah. So that you you probably sent that over the weekend, and then he got back to you on the Monday, which right. Yeah, yeah. Be nice to keep a Monday to Friday schedule. Although I I would miss working weekends. Yeah. Sorry. Side. Um, okay. So. Uh, so now, what point? What point are you at right now with him? Like he got back to you um, about the revisions. Um, what's going on now? Uh, well, uh, the email that I got yesterday said, "Okay, thanks for the notes. I'm going to load up the session and send you revision two in in a couple of days." Okay. But then, uh, I was I was here when I got that email, right? So when I got home, I, I reply saying, "Okay, uh, write down when I tell you what I was going to write down." The, right. Um, okay, so I'm, okay, I fixed the mix because I sat down with a more experienced engineer and we realized that my mix is it's too heavy on, on the bottom end. So we fixed it and shifted some of the frequencies to, to more of the mid-range. So now you don't have to sacrifice a lot of bottom end and now the vocals hit better and I think the mix sounds better overall. So if you if you want me to send you, uh, if it's okay with you, I would like to send you a, a an updated mix. An updated mix. He hasn't replied, so I don't know yet. But, okay. But yeah, that's he, where we're at. He probably won't reply for yeah. two days, like he said, right? Yeah. Now. So it's all like before you even work on version two, do you want a revised mix? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Fair so enough. So that's where we're at. Cool. Um, yeah. Yeah. Now, this is a question I want to go back to you, Joey, because Roland and I talked a lot about this yesterday as we were trying to work through what the problems with the master were. Mm-hmm. Um, and once, once I'd listened to the master and we actually loaded up the mix, the master and the reference tracks. And so we go back and forth between all three, between all three. And, and especially me being not as experienced in metal, I wanted that reference of, of what's going on. And, and we figured out over the course of about an hour that, that it really was, it really was a mix issue. Like everything all the changes for the negative in the master short of that distortion, that distortion on the one instrument, um, that wasn't supposed to be there. Uh, everything else was a mix issue, you know, like mm -hmm. the end, the, the mastering engineer to get the volume that was standard. Um, he had to sacrifice low end, which is probably also what accumulate it into that distortion as well. Possibly. Yeah. Oh, it's guaranteed. It, it, it did. It, there you go. Right. Um, but the distortion, the, the funny thing about the distortion is it, it was just in the right channel and it is weird, but it, it, and, it is not uncommon for a metal to be distorted, but it, it, it sounded more like a digital distortion. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. No, it's not uncommon. Really? It's just, you get so much information being blasted at you that yeah. you don't necessarily hear it, but it, a lot of metal tracks are distorted. Well, and, and, oh, really? yeah. and, and, and I'm hearing you say that I, it, it makes sense then that, that the quality control, cause I, um, we, we, we took a look at the, at the, um, the agreement, uh, or the, the policy or whatever of, of the mastering house. And they say it goes through, it goes through a layer of, of quality control after it's mastered just to make sure. So that makes sense that 
something like that might get missed in the quality control phase. Yeah. 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 It's not uncommon. It's just a lot of people like, well, metal has so much distortion going on at once any or at any given time anyway, that right. it's, it can be hidden. Yeah. Okay. But there yeah. are plenty of albums that I love to death, but I, I know <laughs> that they've been distorted on <laughs> the mastering phase. Crazy. Yeah. Crazy. Okay. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so, so through the, through this process, we, we do figure out that Roland had mixed like a lot of beginning engineers, beginning mixers. Roland had mixed a lot of the, a lot of the instruments more to the low end. Fair enough. Right. Like just, just that slight shift to the low end, which naturally everything builds up. And so yesterday we went through, we went through the process of, of, kind of on an instrument by instrument basis, like what, where should this one be sitting? What are the things that are there that may not need to be there? And ended up taking out a, a ton of, I want to say like sub 100, um, frequency range information that, and especially in the drums. Yeah. And then followed that up by turning up the drums just a touch. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, uh, and the mix made a lot of difference in the mix. Yeah. Uh, did you, um, did you by chance, Roland? Did you uh, bounce them out and import them into that comparing session? No, but I'm, I'm doing that today. Okay, yeah. cool. And and compare compare the new mixes to the old mixes to the masters and the and the reference. Okay. Yeah. No, I'm doing that today. Cool. Yeah. Okay. Sweet. Yeah, I mean, hopefully he gets back to maybe or he works on revision too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Joey, have you done much mastering? I know you've done some. You done much mastering? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I I'd say the majority of my projects are have been mastering only. Oh, okay. Interesting. Interesting. Oh, it is weird. <laughs> Why? Because I market myself as a mixing guy, but everybody's just like, "Can you master this for me?" Because yeah. all these projects that I have done mixing, I'll master myself. Because I've yet to find a mastering engineer that I'm happy with. Right. Uh, yeah, like, and, and you've been doing this for a while now. Like, you've yet to find one that you're happy with. Well, it seems like any time I do have the budget to send off to another person to master, they then do things that, to my mix, that just like, um, I'm not going to probably go back to you ever again unless the band really wants me to do that. Really insists on it, yeah. What kind of what kind of things are they doing? Uh, well, they'll, they'll change the balance of the mix is How a big so? thing. Um They'll increase the bottom end. Uh, sometimes they will add more high end, scoop out the mids. Yeah. And, you know, my mixes tend to be, uh, I'd like to say, pretty flats, but I do put like a fair amount of mid or low mid focus in my right. mixes. Generally, at the end of the day, it's, you know, if the master doesn't sound like my mix, what yeah, I don't like it. See, and and most or of, it has to at least sound better. 
in in a slight way. So like, what do you? I, I have to know it's my mix. Right. If I know, it's like, okay, you took my mix and just did stuff to it, and it's like, why would I go back to you? See, and I and I'm my experience with most most of the mastering that I do is home home mixers or home based studios that don't have a lot of experience. Um, Fair enough. And I mean, and, even and, and when I, I'm mastering, I will do some of that stuff, but when I'm doing it, it's to try and enhance what is there, what the mix is doing. And that kind of mastering I'm all for. If you take my mix and enhance the stuff, right. like that's, that's what I like, but there's not been really a mastering engineer that's done that for me. But majority of the time, and like this is only the times where they are happy with me just providing the two track. Majority of the time, mastering engineers will be like, can I get the stems? And you know me with that. It's the moment you ask me for stems, I will fire you. And even if the band insists on it, uh, like I will then be like, okay, like we'll master with him, but he's not getting the stems. Because I know what that means. You're going to take the stems and remix what I did. You're not taking my mix. You're you're gonna mix. Okay. Now, now I want to ask a really a really tough question. Okay. Is is that because they feel like they need to fix your mix? I don't know. Okay. I, I, I in the end of the day, I don't care what it is. Because the band already signed off on the mix. Right. So you do not have the right to ask me for my stems and change the mix. The mix has already been agreed on. And this is just uh, yeah, yeah, my no, no, stubborn, no. egotistical, <laughs> I'm an asshole person coming out. And it's just saying, like, that's not your job. Yeah. Don't do that. Most of my experience mixing is with with pretty amateur mixers. Right. Um, I don't. Every once in a while, I get a chance to master something that's been really well mixed. But mostly, mostly I'm doing like salvage work or recovery work. Mm-hmm. And and I I find almost every single case, I'm going back to the mix engineer and asking for changes to the mix. I mean, I, I get that too when I'm mastering for guys. Like right. some of them aren't as good as they could be, and I'll have a discussion with them. Mm-hmm. I will not ask them for their stems when I'm mastering for them. I will go to them and be like, "Hey, I noticed these things. Is this on purpose? Like, do you really want this record to sound this way, yeah. or were you going for?" And then I'll like pull a band that I think is more geared to what they were going on just based off of what I was hearing. Were you going for XYZ band kind of feel? If so, maybe try these ideas in the mix and then send me that revision. Gotcha. Okay. And like, I'll work with the band that way because, you know, I'm going to try and help them get the best results possible. Yeah. See, see a lot of the, a lot of the revisions I tend to be asking for. Crap. (laughs) They tend to be more more about. I wish I, I wish I just had the stems because it would be easier. And I'm pretty sure you don't know what I'm talking about anyway. Fair enough. I've been in that situation, but at the same time, like I've I've been on that side where 
The guy wants Follow my stems. Our hosts on Twitter at Two Bodies of Water. You got that mic in a comfortable spot yet? I'm still working on it. At Joey R Engineer. I can't even talk. I don't remember what my point was. This is a boring podcast. Um, I realize at the end of this, we didn't introduce ourselves. On to the internet you go. Go switch off.